today we start a new theme entitled Game Plan. And so Game Plan is not our sermon uh, series. Game Plan is our theme for this fall. And so God's got a, a plan for Foothills Church. He's got a plan for every church. And so what we want to begin to talk about uh, today and for the next several weeks is God's specific plan and, and the way that we are going to make disciples. Our way is a way. It's not the only way, um, but for us, we feel like it's the best way. And so uh, that's what we want to begin to share with you, that, that God indeed does have a game plan for our church. And so um, let, let me take you back uh, really to the very beginning. Um, it starts over, over uh, lunch. And so I'm at my, my parents' house and, and uh, I sit right next to my dad and, and here come the mashed potatoes, right? And so we're, we're doing the mashed potato deal and, and the gravy deal. I know it's not good for me, but I'm still doing it on the gravy train. Uh, the, you know, the green beans come by and it's like they, they move by me pretty quick. Um, and then, the, the, you know, and so in the midst of all that, my dad just looks at me and he says, Trent, I believe that God is, is calling us to plant a church. And um, he said, I, I, I want to know if you would be um, up for, for pastoring that church. And after I choked on my corn for a second, I was like, huh? You know, like, I don't know about you, but anytime God, you know, like shares a new plan or a new direction or a new challenge, when you are comfortable and happy and things are going well, it's kind of like, uh, so my immediate response was like, I don't know, let me, let me, pray about that. You know, it's like for us, you know, good, good Christians kind of avoid that topic by just, you know, going through the prayer. So, so that's what I did. And okay, so fast forward a couple of years and, and we were in the midst of planning this church. And so um, we, we knew though that Maryville didn't like need a new church because Maryville has tons of churches. Um, but the burden that we had is that, that Maryville needed a different kind of church. And so for us, we, we were just convinced we were passionate about starting a kind of church that, that really, you know, did the Sunday morning deal, and we want to do the Sunday morning deal really well. Uh, but more than that, we, we knew that that was a part of a church experience, but that wasn't the only part. We, we knew that the Bible, by and large, is, is built around relationships, and so we looked at the life of Jesus and we see that, man, the guy walked around in a small group of 12 guys for his entire ministry and he poured into their lives and, and they poured into him and they did life together. And then there were three guys, Peter, James, and John, that he specifically kind of poured into even more. And so we see that model. We see um, things like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. All of those things have to do with relationships. So, I mean, you know, when we have peace, you know, have, have patience. It's like patience with who? Well, patience with other people. You know, we, we all think that we're patient until we have kids. And it's like, man, we're all praying for patience. And, 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 and so they're all relational issues. We look at Jesus and what he teaches, and there are hundreds of one another's. Love one another, serve one another, submit to one another. Um, all of these different things have to do with relationships, and so Sunday morning is a part of that. But for us, we knew that our heartbeat and the culture that we wanted to develop is that we would be a church that, that didn't just show up to, to go to church, but that we would be the church. And so I don't know about you, but in my experience with church, sometimes Sunday morning was the only thing that I was really experiencing. And, 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 and we do a lot of great things on Sunday morning, but by and large, the relational you know, depth, uh, it, it's not here. Where you get the relational peace is Monday through Saturday when we do life together. 
And so seeing the life of Jesus, reading the New Testament, you know, our heartbeat really was to exist and, and you know, plant a church that would be all about making disciples in relational environments. And so environments for us are important in our culture, especially. We know this is the deal. I mean, it's why we're in a nice uh, auditorium today and we're not like straddling the bowling lanes anymore, you know? People slipping on the lanes and breaking their necks. We don't, we're not doing that. Unchurched people wouldn't come back to that kind of environment with the, you remember, if you were here, there was like all kinds of like beer signs and, and you know, alcohol everywhere. And it was like, this is probably not the best environment to worship Jesus right now. So, so we had to get rid of all that and, you know, we dealt with all that. And so that's why we do the cafe. That's why we create a, a nice lobby experience. That's why we do groups in homes because that environment is more conducive to being yourself and being real and building community. So the environment aspect is huge, and, and so the relational aspect is huge as well. And so when we talk about game plan, we know that God's game plan for Foothills Church is to continue to make disciples in relational environments. But over the next few weeks, we're going to uh, begin to share with you some specifics on what that means. So what, what's that mean for the rest of the building that's not been remodeled? What does that mean for you as it relates to a small group? What, what kind of small groups are we developing and what kind of small groups are we going to begin to offer that we haven't offered in the past? What, what are we going to do with, with people that want to get involved in ministry and how are we going to do that better? Um, all of these things we're going to begin to unpack. And, and as we share these things, the question is, is this, are you connected? So like we're going to throw it out there. Here's what God wants us to do. Here's the direction that we're going. Here's what it's going to take. And, and then we're going to be asking you, we're going to be saying, are you, are you connected? How, how are you connected? And so, so the next question is, what, what's your next step? Because everybody's on a different level and different kind of playing fields. Some of you just started coming to the church and your next step is base camp. And so that's kind of what some of you are doing or need to do. And some of you have gone to base camp, you're a partner, but you're not in a group. And so we're going to be saying, hey, get in a group. Life is better in a group. You know, your church experience is not complete until you're in relationship with other people. Um, some of you might be in a group, but you're not serving. And so the next step for you is going to be plugging into a ministry. And so part of our heart for, for the Connect Center and, and, and developing uh, our website and changing our website and adding so much to it, if you haven't seen that or checked that out, I encourage you to do so, is to help. Is to help make things better and to help things more, more fluid in your connection. Because um, our church is, is, is growing. Um, our church is growing, you know, and it has been for the last four years. And it's been amazing to see what God is doing because, you know, we didn't start out the church by saying, man, we want, we want this many people. Or we want to be the largest church in this area. or the large, Because for us, it, it really didn't really have anything to do with have, be, being a part of a large church. The heartbeat is, is, is that we would make disciples. And so what we've seen is that life change is happening. People's lives are changing. Marriages are getting better. Men in their marriage are stepping up to lead. And so we're not as far as we want to be. And you may not be exactly where you want to be. Trust me, I'm not where I want to be. I want to continue to grow. But some of you have made some huge steps. Some of you have gotten into a group for the first time in your entire life. And it's blowing you away. Some of you are about to lead a small group. And, and a year ago, you would have said, no way, man. There is no way that I can do this. And now look what God has done in your life and how he's changed you. And so all that to say, you guys are here because God has, has brought you here, and I believe that the best is yet to come, and that we haven't even seen anything yet. Um, growing churches are 
are, are changing churches. And when you change, there's, there's expense to that. There's cost to that. And so it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard on every level when you think about that. Um, and the way that I'll explain that is, is back to school. Anybody go back to school shopping the last couple of weeks for your kids? Um, that's probably one of the most exciting things for kids is they get to go back to school shopping. They get their pencils and their folders and all that kind of stuff. My kids at least love that. And, and so we, uh, we went out and we were doing that deal. And we knew that one of our kids needed new shoes because uh, she had outgrown her other ones. And so we go to the shoe store and she starts picking out. And then my wife has, a, has this grand idea. She says, you know what? While we're here, let's get everybody's foot measured. And from that point on, my bank account and my attitude just went down fast. Because when she, and when they started measuring feet, our kids' feet, I don't know what they're eating, but it's like their feet are growing. And, and I, had, I had bought everybody's shoes in May. And now, you know, this month, I had to buy everybody new shoes again. So one of my daughters, her foot had grown like a size and a half more. And so it's like, mm, sorry about that whole, you know, toe crunkled up thing for the last month. Trust me, we're not bad parents, but, you know, that's hard to tell. You know, I'm not feeling toes every week, but um, I guess maybe I should. So, so I say all that because, you know, growing kids, healthy kids are, are, are growing and, and they're expensive. I mean, it's like every other month, you know, I'm buying a new, you know, new shoes, new clothes, new whatever, because they're growing. Because the reality is healthy things grow, don't they? I mean, if your kids aren't growing, you know that, you know, uh, there, there's probably some kind of issues health-wise going on if they're not they're not growing. And, and, and so you look in nature and healthy things grow, whether it's a plant, whether it's an animal, if, they're, if it's healthy, it, it, it grows. And the same is true for a church. If it is healthy, it will grow. And there's no like percentage that means you're growing. And there's no like pace that, that people track for that. But, and, and you know, the bottom line is if it's growing, you know, it costs some money. It, it's expensive to continue that growth, just like it's expensive to raise kids and help them grow. And so we're going to begin to share some, some big needs and some, some small needs. And some of you guys are contractors and builders and plumbers and electricians. And, and so you're going to save us thousands of dollars because, you know, potentially you're going to just donate your time and, and, and send your crew. Some of you, you know, are going to bless us financially in ways that we, we haven't even dreamed of. And that's going to allow us to do the things that have been like, you know, in the hangar waiting for God to supply some needs so that we can go further faster. And we're going to do that together. And so game plan is, is going to point us in that direction. So every week I'm going to share bits and pieces of what our plan is. Uh, Romans is still going to continue to be our sermon series, and we're going to get there uh, today in just a moment. And every week is not going to be this long for game plan, but I wanted to set it up so that everybody is on the same page uh, with, with where we're going. And, and so I'm going to announce a couple of big things uh, every week. And today, here, here's the biggie. So, so the thing about our church is that we, we are growing, and we knew um, that this time of year would be that season where it would be extremely packed. And so we've reached a point in our church where, you know, the facility in here is, is over 70%. It's 80% now. Parking is, is an issue. How many of you parked on a curb today? Like, parked illegally. That's okay. No tickets today. If you do, just give them to Greg. He'll take care of them. Um, so parking's an issue. Uh, kid space is, is, is an issue. These are all great problems to have. But, but when we come to these things, we've got to be willing to change. If, if we're not willing to change, then, then we're, we're saying that we're not ready to continue to follow what God is doing. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to go to two services again. And so um, we're going to start that on September 1st. Um, and our service times are going to be 9 a.m. 
and 1045. So some of you are like, dude, I just got used to 10 and now you're changing. It's like, listen, quit your whining. Nobody in here can whine as much as me, okay? Because I've got to do this twice, you know? So I don't want to hear any whining. No, seriously, it's a, it's a great thing. And um, I know that change always brings with it some, some, uh, some resistance. And hey, hey, look, we're, we're excited that we, we're changing church. And I'm excited to be on a staff that's always trying to make things better and always trying to say, what if? You know, what if we do this? And what if? And, and is God leading here? And, and we're just willing to, 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 to follow and, and, and do this thing. So uh, pray about what service you're going to attend. And it's going to make this room uh, a lot um, easier for new people to come because we want, we want uh, to continue to grow, create that space for new folks, and uh, as well as kids space and as well as parking. So that's all going to go down on September uh, 1st. And so mark that in your calendars. You're going to hear more about that in the future. Um, so again, check out our website, Connect Center. All those great things um, are changing and there for you. So let's dive in to the sermon. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Um, and as you do that, I just want to pray and, and get our hearts once again focused on his word. Lord Jesus, we come before you now as we open up your word. And um, Father, we just pray that you'll speak to us. God, change us. Because we're here to meet with you. Because the reality is there are some people in here that that could care less about two services and and a growing church. They're here because they're hurting. They're here because their marriage is on thin ice. They're here because financially they're they're just dealing with a train wreck. And they're, they're here because they don't really know what to do with their kids. And so God, in your only unique, special way, would you speak to them today? We're going to talk Romans 10 and Romans 11, which has nothing to do with being a parent. But there are some parents in here today that need a touch, that need encouragement. So God, I'm asking you to to reach out to them and to encourage them today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, So last week we talked about biblical feet. Okay, so hopefully you guys did your gift card. You sent it to a teacher, an administrator, a friend at work. And if you did not, I want you to raise your hand. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> but we do want to encourage you. It's not too late. Go do that. If you weren't here, the challenge at the end was to write a card, send a gift card to your kid's teacher or somebody at work, administrator in the school system. Uh, tell them you're praying for them. Fidel's Church is praying for them. And if there's anything they ever need, uh, to let you know. Okay, so that's our step. That's our share. We're just going to throw that out there and see what God does with that all over our city. Everybody in here, if everybody does that, that's a lot of encouragement. That's a lot of prayer as well. And by the way, don't write the card and not pray for them. So, you know, pray for them as well. So we talked about biblical feet and how it's important for us to share our faith. And so um, when we back up here, Romans 8, we were talking about Israel's past. That was really the, the topic, Israel's past. Romans 10 was uh, Israel's present. So talking about the nation of Israel. And then today, as we get into, finish 10 and get into 11, we're going to be talking more about Israel's future that God has not abandoned them, and they in fact do have a remnant, and they will be used in the future. And in fact, there's some even great, greater things that are going to happen with the nation of Israel. And so it's important for us to understand that and how it relates to us as we are in the family of God. So let's start again with chapter 10, verse 17. We closed with this last week. So faith comes from hearing, 
and hearing through the word of Christ. And so it's important for us, I'm just going to touch on this again because we always need this dose, that it's important for people to hear about the gospel. If they do not hear the gospel, the ability for them to have faith in Jesus is absent. So it's, it's pertinent, it's paramount that you and I are sharing our faith and, and that they are hearing the word of Christ, which is the gospel, the life-changing message of Jesus died on the cross for your sins. With him you have forgiveness of sin and the promise of heaven. Without him you do not have a relationship with God. And in the end you'll spend an eternity separated from him. Verse 18. But I ask, have they not heard? He's asking a question. Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth. And their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Let's just pause there. Let's, let's go back to 18. Have they not heard? And, and, and Paul is asking, wait a minute, have, have they heard about this? He's like, he, he spends the next few passages really interpreting Old Testament passages. And he does this all the time. But he's interpreting here, we're going to look at three or four of them, Old Testament passages and verses that Paul applies and, and really explains today. And he says, yeah, they have heard. And so he quotes Psalm 19. And if you remember, Psalm 19 is all about the general revelation of God, that through creation, people look at creation and can see that there is a God. And he says, so yes, they've seen it, they've heard it, they've experienced this God in creation. So yes, they've heard. And then he says, but I ask, did Israel not understand? He says, I'll make you jealous of those who are not a nation. Now earlier he quoted Hosea in chapter 8, which said, There's a group of people who are not my people, but they are going to be my people. So that's Old Testament Hosea prophesying that the Gentiles would be included in the family of God. So Israel, you know, either some of them accepted it, many of them rejected that. They rejected that idea and like, no, 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 no. So they didn't buy into that. And so he says it again. This is a passage that he quotes from Deuteronomy. And so in Deuteronomy, the gospel is again foretold. I'll make you jealous of those who are not a nation. In other words, the Gentile, they were not a nation. They were not a people of God. They were not connected to God. They were not seeking God. And and the prophecy for the gospel is that there is a time coming when when they will be included. And, And it's the gospel and it's through Jesus that they'll be included. But many of that nation rejected those teachings and those Uh, prophecies. He goes on, then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. So again, the Old Testament prophecy is of the the coming gospel and Messiah alluding to you and I as Gentiles that, that look, look, they're not seeking for me and and, and I'm going to show myself to them even though they didn't ask for it. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? That's the grace of God. It's like we weren't asking for God when he saved us. It was God who drew us to himself. And so he is saying, I'm, I'm seeking after them. I'm going to show myself to them. And Isaiah was so bold to proclaim the gospel then. But again, there were many of the Israelite nation that rejected it. They didn't buy into it. They were so blinded that they didn't even realize and recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. Verse 21. But, O Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. In other words, listen, 
You have rejected me. You have, you, you know, you're with me sometimes and then you fall away from me and just kind of reject me and, and, and ignore me for a season. And then you come back and, you know, I take you back and forgive you. Then you, re, you know, go on your own way again. And he's like, look, I, all day long, I'm reaching out my hands to you, just calling you back, calling you back. And so there is grace in that. And God's grace is for us today. And some of you walking today and you're rejecting God's plan for your life. Maybe you're rejecting a plan for Foothills Church and it's like, I don't want to get connected. I just kind of want to do my own thing. And, and God's like, I am reaching my hand out to you all day long. I am reaching for you. That's why the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because the truth is, no matter where you're at today, that there is hope for you. You can receive Christ today. You can turn from sin today and restore that relationship because he is ready and willing to receive you. He says to the nation of Israel, my hands are, are outstretched waiting for you. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Old Testament, I read about the Israelite people and how it's like God you know, parts the Red Sea, provides food with manna. He does all these incredible things all throughout the Old Testament. And then and it's like they turn back to him. And I don't know how, you know, some of it's weeks, some of it's months, some of it's years. They end up like rejecting God and like forgetting about God. And you're like, Seriously? How could you do that? It's like you just saw the Red Sea part. How could you not know that God is like doing some pretty awesome things around you? But they, they don't and they reject. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've done that a time or two in my life. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like some people in our church, you know, in churches all over the, the, the country, we're not bowing down, to the, bowing down to the golden calf, you know, Baal. What we're bowing down to sometimes, though, is this, this idol that we've created in our head. It's, it's a fantasy of what success looks like. And so, so then we'll turn to that fantasy and that idol of, I need to make money. I need to have power. I need to provide for my family. I need to do all these things to, in, in order to be successful. And at the expense of ministry and gospel relationships and church ministry and relationships. And so we're really quick to say, oh, I'm too busy I've got this and I've got that. And what ends up happening is we create an idol. And it's not a gold image and we're not on our knees, you know, bowing down to it. But we think about it constantly. We spend most of our time on it. We give most of our energy and money towards it. And we give very little to gospel-centered ministry. And to me, it's a tragedy because we're missing out on what God has for us. Look around at what God is doing. He is here. He is changing people. And he wants to do much more in you if you'll get connected. He continues, they've been disobedient, they've been contrary. And he says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? And he says, by no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. In other words, he's saying, so is God... Is God done with the Israelite people because they've rejected him? And he's like, of course not. No, God's not done with them. He says, look at me. I I am an Israelite. So God's not done with the nation of Israel back then or even today, even though many of them, thousands of them, rejected the Messiah. He's like, he's not given up on us. The promises still are applicable to those who have faith in God as an Israelite, who have accepted Jesus as Messiah into their life. No, that's not the case. Verse 2, he says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, which is the word that he used in in chapter 8 and the concept that he taught in chapter 9. That how could God foreknow these people and that foreknowing is a choosing. He's not going to choose them and then unchoose them. It's not how God works. He chooses not based on work, but based on his sovereign decision. He's like, I'm not going to choose them and then like say, no, 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 never mind. 
that's not good. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. It's not how God works. He foreknew them. He loved them even before the creation of time. Do you not know? So he alludes again to the Old Testament. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel. Lord, this is Isaiah. I'm sorry. Um, this is Elijah speaking. Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left. And they seek my life. So let's talk about Elijah. We've got to really know the story of Elijah before we can really understand this. And this is taking place in 1 Kings 18 and 19. Uh, go back and read that. But, but here's, the, here's the deal. The nation of Israel was once again, they were worshiping false gods. And so Elijah is this one prophet who's like this super awesome dude that was like, I've had enough. And so he, he has a God contest with the worshipers of this, this um, false god, Baal. And so he gets 400. He challenges them. He gets 400 of the false prophets of Baal. And he says, meet me on Mark Carmel, man. It's on. So they get to the top of the mountain, Mark, Mount Carmel. Everybody's around them. 400 prophets are there. All the people are there. And Elijah says, look, let's have a little contest here. You pray to your God. I'll pray to my God. And the God that answers and consumes our sacrifice with fire, that's the true God, and that's the God that we'll worship as a nation. They're like, fine, we'll do that. So it's on. So here they go. They throw their, their animals up there, and they start dancing, and they start praying to their, their deity, and nothing. Time passes, and, and so they start to get, you know, like, well, let's take it to the next level. So they start, you know, cutting themselves and, you know, slashing their arms and, and bleeding in and, 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 and hopes that their deity would respond to that. And so time passes on, and Elijah's like, well, you know, maybe your God, and I love this, he's a little sarcastic. He's like, maybe your God is like, maybe he's taking a break. Maybe you wait for him, he'll come back, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, and then he, then he was like, he says this, he's like, hey, maybe he's using the bathroom. Maybe he's relieving himself, and he'll be back in a minute, so just keep it up, you know. And so he's just kind of taunting them, and, and hours and hours pass by, and nothing takes place. And Elijah's like, all right, my turn. He gets a bowl. He puts the bull on the sacrifice, on the, on the wood altar that he built. He put 12 stones around the altar to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and then he said, I want you guys to go get some water. I want you to bring some jars of water and pour the water all over the bull. Pour it all over the wood. I want you guys to do that. Not just once. Okay, do it again. Not just twice, but let's do it one more time because I want everybody here to know that the wood, the animal, is just saturated with water here. And so when, when my God shows up, not only are you going to know that he is real, but that he does the impossible. And so the Bible says that so much water kind of poured off, it like started to puddle up in a trench that he had built. And, and so then he began to pray and he asked God this question. And I want to read this because it's, it's powerful. He says this, Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. In other words, you're the one that led me here. You're the one that this is about, not me. You've led me here by your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you are Lord. So again, when we do great things for God, when we are following him, we're saying, Lord, this is about you. And oh, by the way, let's do this, God, so they can worship you. Let's make you famous, not me famous. I don't want to get the prophet of the year award or, or, or I don't want to get the pastor of the year award. I want to make you famous, God, in this. And so let's, let's let them see you work. Answer me that this people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. And he says that and fire, shoom, boom, Thing ignites, thing blows up with fire, and everybody's like, <gasps> you know, next thing, 
Elijah goes, kills every one of the false prophets. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, I don't, you know, where was that in the New Testament? <laughs> it's like, no, he just goes Rambo and kills everybody, you know? And so the whole nation has revival. The whole nation turns back to God. Amazing story. The very next chapter, though, Mountaintop Experience, very next chapter, he's not afraid of 400 prophets of Baal, but there's this woman named Jezebel that finds out what he does. Hold up. Killed all my prophets. He's doing this whole thing. Uh-uh, it ain't happening. So she's saying, I want to kill him. He finds out he's not afraid of the 400 prophets. He's afraid of Jezebel. So he jets. And so he runs, you know. It's like mountaintop, fire, murder, killing. And, and it's like, now I'm afraid of one, one person here. And so it's funny that after every mountaintop experience, sometimes it seems like there's the valley like the next day. Maybe some of you are kind of experiencing that. So Elijah, he gets depressed. I mean, cold, hard, depressed, clinically depressed. So he like runs away and he's like sad and alone and crying out to God. Why is this happening? And whining and all this kind of stuff. And and what's amazing about how God begins to take this story back up and has, as he begins to explain this, he says, listen to me, Elijah, get up. There's a remnant. He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean there's a remnant? He's like, listen, you don't know about this yet, but I got 7,000 homies waiting back at camp, and they're on your team. They're on your side. He says, I got 7,000 men, which means if there's 7,000 men, now there's, 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 there's their families and women and, and children and all these different things. And so he says, listen, don't forget about this. So Paul interprets the story, and he takes it a step further. So he reminds us, don't forget about Elijah, how he felt like he was all alone. He felt like it was over. He felt like, man, God's doing something. The next day it's like, man, God's not doing anything. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe this isn't going to work out. Maybe this whole thing wasn't God's idea and it was just mine. And now I'm alone and frustrated. I don't have anybody around me. And God's like, hush, listen, listen. I called you to it. I'm going to bring you through it. There's 7,000 of your bros waiting to walk with you. And so Paul says, just like that, verse 4 But what is God's reply to him? I've kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And then Paul says this. Listen to this. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. What's a remnant? A remnant is is a a group of people that are left. They're they're the people that have been left, and, and they are set apart, so to speak. And he says, I have chosen them by grace. So listen, let's just recap the grace issue. It's God's grace that blesses you and blesses me and calls us to Jesus. It is his grace that sustains that call. There's a remnant. There's a small group of people that they're they're chosen. They're going to help you. They're going to continue this mission. Verse 6, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Sometimes you feel like the Bible just repeats itself. But listen, the things that the Bible repeats are the things that we struggle with the most. It's like it repeats it over and over again. You're like, man, I got it. It's by grace. But then we walk out and we live by works. And we talk about the gospel like it's a thing of works. Like, well, you've got to get cleaned up and do this, this, and this, and then you can get saved. And then when in the same sins, we're like, but salvation is all by work. It's like, man, we're, we're like two multiple personalities going on here when we talk theology. But it is about God's grace. He says God's grace is his free, sovereign choice to choose who he desires to choose. If it is based upon works or anything else that we do, 
like I do enough or I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy or, you know, I'm a pretty good at this or I, I can do that or I said this. And, and so if there is anything about works that God is basing his decision on, then God is no longer bestowing grace on us. Try to connect because it would be about what we are doing and it would cease to be grace because grace is God's unmerited There are no strings attached. That's my choice, man, because I want to be gracious to them. And he says there's a remnant. So there's a remnant. And so so Paul is not alone. And God uses a remnant of Israelites to accept Jesus and to proclaim the gospel. You know, the 12 disciples. Jesus comes. Uh, So many Jewish people at that time accepted Christ. The church explodes Okay, persecution erupts in Jerusalem because of all of the explosion of the gospel and, and Jews coming to know Jesus. And as a result, the disciples are dispersed. And so as they're dispersed, they take with them the gospel. They're like, man, you know, brother's going to die here. Let's go, you know, let's go to Rome, you know. And so, so they leave, and as they leave, they take the gospel with them. And God uses that persecution of the early church to grow the church and the gospel and the rest is history. But God chooses a remnant. God is choosing remnant even today. What then, verse 7, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtain it, but the rest were hardened. He says, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Here's what he does. Again, he goes back to the book of Psalms. He goes back to some Old Testament prophecies. And what he is doing as he begins to share this is that he says that Isaiah said it was going to happen and it's happening that, that their spiritual eyes couldn't see, their, their ears couldn't hear what the Messiah was all about. Verse 10 is, is Psalm 69. And that passage in Psalm 69 is all about the prophecy of the coming Messiah and everything that he would have to suffer. And so he's, as he begins to get into this, and this, this spirit of stupor and eyes that could not see and ears that would not hear, again, we kind of hedge at that, don't we? It's like, man, what is God doing here? He's hardening hearts. It doesn't seem right, but let's, let's get it right. You see, in Romans 1, we covered this. There comes a point as we choose sin, as we choose to reject God, as we run from God and do our own thing, God says, you know what? I'm going to give them over to their own passions. And essentially, God is, is hardening us, but essentially, it's our responsibility because we're the ones that reject. And so when God causes this, uh, this snare, this, this spirit of stupor, can't see, can't hear, it's not like God's this mean dude upstairs, you know, just like pointing and making everybody's like, ah, I'm not, you're not going to get it. It's us who reject, who run from, who resist the relationship, resist the complete church experience, resist the gospel call that God has for ministry in our life. And as a result, he says, you know what? Go for it. I'm going to release you to to harden your heart because that's what you want. It's a very sad explanation. Then he quotes a passage from Psalm. He says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and that their their backs would have a, a bend in it. So, 
what's our table at home like? I don't know about your table at home, but my table at home, I love a big fat pizza with like man meat on it, you know? So the table at our house is red meat, it's, it's barbecue chicken, and it may not be the healthiest, but that's what we throw down on, and, and it makes me happy, you know? You just get happy after you have a good meal, you know? We had some fried chicken last night. Man, I'm still, you know, I'm craving that. Some in the fridge, going to get it later. I digress. The table is a place of comfort, isn't it? The table is a, is a place of, you know what, we feel like we're, we're getting fed and sustenance and food. And if you eat with your family, there's relationship there. And here's what happens when we're in sin. Here's what happens when your spiritual eyes and ears get darkened and you're blinded to the gospel because of your hardened heart towards God. He says it will become a trap for you. It will become a snare for you. So instead of sitting down and giving thanks when you break bread and, and, and eating to the glory of God, now you sit down and, man, look what I did. Look what I prepared. Look how we did this. We don't give credit to God for anything. We don't need God. I don't, I don't need my comfort and, and, and my family in God. I got this, man, so I'm good. And he says it becomes a snare and a trap. And it keeps us from experiencing the things that God wants us to experience. And, and so we think about that. And it's like food isn't necessarily, you know, a bad thing. Eating around the table is not a bad But it, it is when our priority is not on God and we begin to praise ourselves for what we have and the comfort that we get we think comes from us. It becomes a snare and a trap. And for some of you here today, maybe you're caught up in that. Your hearts are turned from God your attitude towards God is stiff arm, Heisman. I'm just going to do the church thing on Sunday because that's easy. I can come and sit in a row, but don't ask me to sit in a circle, man, and actually talk to people because that's rough. That's hard. But here's the thing, man. If you want to experience all that God has for you, you're going to have to engage. You're going to have to connect. Some of you have only experienced a partial church experience because all you do is come on Sunday. There's so much more. There's so much more that God has for you. There's so much more that God wants to do in you and in your marriage and in your relationship. And it's like, yeah, some things have to be sacrificed and some priorities have to be changed. But, oh, man, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Game plan is about God's plan for our church. Are you connected? What we want to do today is I, I want you to reflect on that question. Are you connected? Because God had a plan for Israel. God had a plan for Israel, and it was, it was to, you know, that they would be a blessing to other nations. Even in the Old Testament, God is a, an evangelistic God. Let's share, let's, let's tell people about me. But they rejected that plan, and as a result, they missed out. They missed out on the blessing, and now God saved a remnant, and the remnant experienced it. But look at how many that rejected and missed out on what God had for their life. And I don't want to see our church do that. I don't want to see you do that. Because the reality is, God is going to do what God has determined he wants to do. God's plan is going to take place. It's going to happen. And he's inviting us to join that plan. And if we don't join it, I promise you this, he'll go to another church who's willing. He'll go to another group of people that's willing to take the risk, that's willing to sacrifice, that's willing to dive in and give it all for Jesus. And he'll say, you know what? That's it. I'm just here to tell you, in, in my walk, I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. And that heart kind of just floods and pours out on all you guys. I don't want you to miss it.
There's, there's a better marriage in store for you. There's a, there's a better relationship with your kids that's in store for you. The hurt and pain that's in your life, I'm telling you, God's going to transform that hurt and pain and you're going to start sharing your story with other people and other people are going to be blessed and changed as a result. And right now it scares you to death. You know, you're choking on the corn, you know, just like I was at the dinner table. I was like, I don't know, I'll pray about it. But listen, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You just got to give up control. Give up control. Give up control. Surrender to Jesus today. Whatever that means for you, surrender to him and watch him work. And I promise you the best is yet to come. Let me pray. James and the guys are going to sing. Let this song just kind of sing over you and let's deal and wrestle with that question today. Father, we thank you and we love you. We praise you. May your word penetrate our hearts, encourage us. And as we worship you, God, We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be different. Help us to experience you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.